Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And it's been a crazy week in sports and pretty much in America, too. You know, uh, the NBA and NHL are playing. Uh, you know, baseball had another team, another bad, more COVID issues. Uh, uh, you know, we had a broadcaster, you know, not being politically correct. I mean, America still is not progressing in, the, in, in, in 2020 the way we wanted to. And that's been shown this week, obviously, with the issues in Wisconsin. But... We got to start with the NBA playoffs, and uh, we'll start with uh, the, the Clippers and the uh, Mavs last night. And the Clippers showed that if Paul George plays to his level, that the Clippers are, are are right there with the Lakers being one of the best teams in the league. I mean, that was the problems in, problem in Game Two and in Game Four and Game and in Game Three too. If the Clippers won, Paul George was not playing well. He finally was great last night. He scored thirty five points for the Clippers. Kawhi had uh, had thirty two. The Clippers were you know out just outstanding last night. Their bench was good. Pretty much everything, every part of their team was good last night. And for the Mavs, uh, Don just continued to play really well. But the problem is, is can Porzingis stay healthy? And yes, me as a Knicks fan, the one thing you can defend the Knicks is with Porzingis is he couldn't stay healthy with the Knicks either. I mean, you obviously remember he tore his ACL in 2018 as well. We couldn't stay healthy with the Knicks and that's going to be huge down the road. And if he doesn't play in game six, the Clippers are definitely going to win this series. Yeah, um, Porzingis, you can see it was tough. Uh, I know Sunday, you know, Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway really stepped up. Now, they, you know, they both, you know, Hardaway had 19, Burke had 15. But again, you miss a huge piece like Porzingis. It's going to be tough to beat a clip. Yeah, we just lost Justin right there. Yeah, and as, as Justin was saying, oh, we got Justin back. Yeah, you're good, Justin. Go ahead. All right. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm glad to hear about Paul George. You know, I know he said he was battling some mental issues, talked to the team psychiatrist and, you know, and you could see, cause he, I think he was shooting like 24, 27% through the first four games. Um, and he was the first player ever in the NBA to score 35 points or more in less than 25 minutes in a playoff game. So <clears throat> he really played well last night. And yeah, if that, if he can play like that night in and night out, it makes that Clippers team so dangerous. Um, even like Montez Harrell looked a lot like himself last night. He looked a lot better. Um, so, yeah, this Clippers team last night, if they play like this, there's not too many teams in the league that's going to be able to stop them. Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, they just – it's pretty much – you see what the Lakers did uh, Tuesday night. I mean, Monday night, you see what the Clippers did last night. If they play this way, it's definitely going to be those two teams in the conference finals. And there's a very good chance uh, the winner of that series is going to win the NBA championship. I mean, just those two teams are, are just clearly, you know, above everyone else. And, and obviously looking at the Mavs, I mean – they they obviously need Porzingis to play because because Doncic has been out been outstanding. I mean, we saw on Sunday how great he was. I mean, he had that buzzer beater against 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 the Clippers on Sunday. But Porzingis has to play. He needs a second guy, especially to beat a team like the Clippers. Even though Doncic is a great player, he's arguably a top five player in the game. He just can't do it by himself. And and uh, they definitely need Porzingis to come back in that series. But looking at right now, I mean, looking going into Game Six, I just think Paul George has found it. As you brought up to the uh, depression and anxiety he was feeling, and we'll get more into this later in the show with the big, with the really big story about you know the the players in the in, in the bubble, you know, with with the with the with the uh, social justice issues. But you know, you know, Paul George being in the bubble, feeling the anxiety and depression. I think we need to realize, you know, as talk as talk as podcasters, as talk show hosts, that these players, yes, they're great players, but they're also humans. We need to we need to realize that. Because sometimes I think we forget 
that these guys aren't human, that these guys coming out of this bubble in Orlando, they're away from their family. And, and you're thinking for a team like the Clippers, you're planning to be away from your family for three to four months. That's really, really difficult. And, and when us as fans and as uh, and, and being in the media, we're expecting these, these players to be, you know, what they are normally w- w- when they play during the regular season. This isn't a normal circumstance. So you've seen, you've seen some players struggle. You've seen Chris Middleton struggle. You've seen Paul George struggle. And also, and, and ultimately Paul George was, you know, talking about anxiety and depression. And it is hard, you know, coming down here to the bubble you know and being away from your family yeah that's a great point Steve. because yeah it's it's tough especially for a team like you know the clippers that yeah they're expected to be here until the end until you know september october you know they're expected to be here and it's because it's really you know obviously they can only stay in this hotel so it's pretty much you know kind of hang out do whatever and then around the hotel and then basketball you know there you know you don't you can talk to them on the phone but you know not seeing him face to face, yeah, it's got to be tough and all that. So yeah, it's it's tough for these guys to be away from their family that long. Now you know during the season it's tough, but they have stretches where they're at home for a week or two, where you know things are you know as normal they're going to get during the season. But yeah, right now that that's none of that, and especially what's going on too around around the country. It's just you know there's a lot of nervousness about when you're not around your family that they don't have the virus and you know that they're okay and all that. So um yeah you know these guys are are human beings and it's a it's a such a tough situation that we're all in right now and you know for them to go out and be able to play the sport that they love is is, you know great to see but you know everyone's got kind of has their issues and you know uh, it's it's good that you know he was able to get that out of the way and you know talk about it with you know psychiatrist and you know again it, it he looked really, really good last night, and it really helped the Clippers out big time. It absolutely did. So we'll go to another L.A. team, and that's the Lakers. And they've been they've been rolling. They've won three in a row. LeBron and A.D., they're looking like the best duo in the game. As we sat here, you know, a week ago, we thought, you know, with the Clippers up 1-0, that the, with the Blazers up 1-0, we thought, all right, maybe the Blazers would maybe give the give, challenge the Lakers, maybe even win the series. But at this point, with with Lillard out, even if Lillard was in, I'd say the series is over. With Lillard out, the series is definitely over. I mean, AD and LeBron are too much. I mean, but the, even the Lakers role players have stepped up. Kuzma, Codwell, Pope, Green, they've all stepped up. And for the Blazers, I mean, Lillard has had a, has had a really good series. But the problem is, is, you know, the other guys have been inconsistent. McCollum's been inconsistent. inconsistent. Nerfage has been inconsistent. And it's pretty much resulted in, you know, the Blazers had a good run, run at the beginning of the bubble, but they've ran into one of the top teams in the NBA, and it's really shown. Yeah, it has. And it, their offense for the Lakers has really picked up the slack from um, game one. As you said, the role players are really starting to produce. Um, you know, and Anthony Davis has looked a lot better. Um, you know, only took one three-pointer Monday night. You know, he's starting to actually go to the rim. And, again, it helps. Even going the line. He went to the line ten times the other night. You know, he's eight for ten. Getting to the line really helped out. Um, yeah, you know, the Blazers gave him a hard fought. You know, they haven't, you know, until Monday night, they really haven't. They've given them Lakers a game for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, the inconsistency has been tough for them. And, you know, the Lakers right now, just, again, what they did Monday night was, again, you know, what LeBron had, one, that game that he had Monday night, I guess really shouldn't be shocking because, you know, um, with everything going on, it – just a just a huge, huge victory for them, and they you know they they they've looked good since game one. They're shooting the ball much better. 
and it's shown and the Blazers just don't really have much, you know, after Lillard. And now that he's hurt, you know, they, they're really going to need somebody to step up tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, the series is over. I mean, there's there's just no way the Blazers are winning without Damian Lillard. They have no momentum. They're going up against LeBron and AD without without their best player. The series is over. There's there's no way the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers in this series. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no shot, you know. It, it was going to be tough to make a 3-1 comeback with Lillard on the floor, but now without – Without them, yeah, it, it's pretty much impossible. Um, you know, this this could maybe get ugly tonight. Oh, I, I definitely could see that. I definitely could see that happening. So we'll go to uh, uh, the other series, the one series that's tied in the Western Conference, and that's the Rockets and the Thunder. And, Justin, you know, when the Rockets were up in game three, 2-0, I was thinking, you know, your prediction did not look good at all there. But Shea Gilders-Alexander, he was able to make the three. Uh mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the Rocket, the Thunder, end up winning Game Four as well. As as we know, as we know, we go back to Game Three when uh, James Harden fell out. Fell out. I mean, the, the Thunder complete, the Rockets completely fell apart. And then in Game Four, the Thunder were able to win that game as well. And so it's a, it's tied up two two. It looks like Westbrook's not going to play Game Five as well. It's looking like your prediction could be right here. Yeah, maybe. You know, you're giving me some uh, hard time about it. I told you, Billy Donovan is going to make some. Uh... Some adjustments out there. Yeah, you like to watch Cal. Yeah, you, you know, watch. You probably watched a lot of Florida basketball back in the day, and he has made adjustments. Yeah, they, they have. Um, they've been better defensively. They put um, John Dwart on James Harden. It seems like it, it's been working out a little bit. Um, they've made it tougher on, or I mean, on Houston to, be able to score the basketball. I felt like in the second half, too, in game four, um, OKC really did a good job behind behind the arc defending the Rockets. Um, but again, uh, you know, I gave Rockets kudos last week, because which is I usually never do. But when you're shooting 58 threes and they're not dropping, go, you know, because it seems like, especially in game one and game two, every time like James Harden took on a drive, it, it was he was getting fouled every time. He was going the line. So it's like, why do you get away from that? Keep doing what's working. And I, um, so I, I wasn't really, um, didn't really like the last few games by the by the Houston Rockets. Um I did hear that, you know, Westbrook's still quite I guess they upgraded him to questionable. I still don't think he's gonna play tonight, but um he did they upgraded him to questionable. But you know, I, I OKC is a really good chance now. Um again, even like Chris Paul the other, you know, Chris Paul's been playing well too. He twenty six that night. I definitely I would love to see OK, you know, because like, I'm not really a big Houston fan. I don't like the sixty three pointers a game. It really it's it's for me, it's as a big guy, as a center, it was. It, of course, you like that old school basketball. Yes, I, I do like watching that. So it, it's tough to watch Houston Rockets play basketball. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, you know, if they're hitting threes, they're very dangerous. But again, if they, they, if they're not, they got to find another way to score. And I think it's getting to the bucket because, you know, James Harden draws a lot of fouls. So I don't know why they kind of got away from that. Yeah, and James Harden has been outstanding outstanding in the series. I mean, he's averaging over 30 points a game. We saw what happened in game three when he fouled out. I mean, the the, the the Rockets completely fell apart. I mean, Eric Gordon's had a good series too. Jeff Green coming off the bench had a good series. But yeah, the issue with the Rockets, and it was an issue in game three, when they don't shoot, they have they, they when they don't shoot well, they have trouble winning. And if you look at the Thunder, you know, the first two games, I really didn't like how Chris Paul played, but he's played really well these last two. SGA didn't play well in game one, but the last three games he's played well. Uh 
solid. Uh, Gallinari's played well too for them. Schroeder had a great game three off the bench. Adams has been disappointing. I thought I expected more to Steven Adams in this series. He has not played. I don't think he's played well in this series. Take advantage of his size. But with, with the play of the Thunder's guards in games three and, and four, they got a shot now tied at two because of the way CP3 and SGA have played. Yeah, they definitely do because if they can score like they have been, even if the Rockets are hitting shots, they can kind of keep up with them. You know, again, the chances Dennis Grodis scores 30 again tonight, probably not very likely. But again, he can kind of come off the bench and give you 20, 25. You know, if the, if the Rockets are able to, to hit some threes and be able to save with it within the or stay within the game. Um, but, you know, I think the big key for OKC is if they can get Steven Adams going down low because yes of the size of the rockets they don't have a guy that can guard him so if they he can get going i know he had 12 and 8 the other day but if he can get it up there to 17 18 get 14 15 rebounds i really really like okc chance because it's something um houston's really gonna have problems with like i you know i don't they, they should try some pick and roll action with them and just have them drive the hoop and, and get some mismatches but that's something i would do if i was billy down on the offensive side the um, kind of get him some, get Steven Adams going. Yeah. I mean, obviously you like to analyze Billy Donovan's teams because you love watching them, but yeah, definitely getting Steven Adams going. That That's a key. I mean, I think if Westbrook doesn't end up coming back, I think this is going to be, you know, a series that's going to be, going to be back and forth. I think this is a series that's going to go seven games. I predicted the Rockets to win in seven. You predicted the Thunder to win in seven and I'm going to stick to my prediction. I'm going to still take Rockets in seven to win this series. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the Thunder in seven. Um, you know, I know Westbrook's questionable signs that maybe at the, you know, game six, maybe game seven, he comes back, it, it gets to that. So, um, but I think OKC is going to be able to pull, find a way to pull it out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens between those two teams. You got game five of that series tonight on uh, TNT. But I got to admit I'm wrong about one of these series because one of these series, I thought, you know, the Nuggets would win and win pretty convincingly, but the Jazz have proved me wrong. And the big reason why, that's because that's because of the play of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell has proved in this series why he's a top 10 player in the NBA. He's been outstanding. I mean, he's had two games of uh, where he scored over 50 points. Only two other guys have done that in a playoff series. It's been Michael Jordan and, Isaac, and uh, Allen Iverson. Really good company. Really good to be in that company. So, I mean, you know, Don, Donovan Mitchell has been outstanding for the Jazz, but for the Nuggets, I mean, uh, Jamal Murray, he saved their ski season, scoring 42. I mean, Jokic played probably as well as any center could play in a game, scoring 31. So, I mean, this series is really, really close, r- really tightly contested. Obviously, two of the games weren't tightly contested. The Jazz won big, but the three of the three of the five games have been tightly contested. I mean, it's a really close series right now. I think with the Nuggets winning last night, it's anyone's series. But even though I took the Nuggets in five previously. I'm going to have to take the Jazz in this series because I think some of the some of the players around Donovan Mitchell have really stepped up. Rudy Gobert stepped up, Mike Conley stepped up, and Jordan Clarkson has stepped up uh, coming off the bench. And really, outside of Jokic and Murray, no one has really stepped up for the for the for the Nuggets. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. just hasn't gotten up to the level as he was playing during the regular season games in the bubble. He just hasn't played at that level, and really, no one has really stepped up for the Nuggets. So that's why I got to take the Jazz winning this in six. Yeah, I think I had Nuggets before. I had Nuggets in six. I'm gonna. I'm agree with you now. I got Jazz in six. Um, they got it last night, but yes, you're, you know Jamal Murray pretty much saved them. Joke had 21 of his 31 in the first quarter. Um, and then I, the problem with the Nuggets is is their defense. They played better defense last night, but old Friday and Sunday they were just they were just exposing Joke on the uh, pick and roll. 
and Gobert just had a dunk all day long. Um, so, you know, he really, really struggled in that aspect of the game. And I just, you know, it's a whole weren't great defensively. And I, you know, and yeah, and everybody on that, in that jazz team has really stepped up and it's been the difference, you know, all five um, starters last night, even, even the loss, all five starters to the jazz last night scored in double figures. And, you know, only, um, and Murray, Jokic were really the only two guys that Grant had 13. Um, they looked over you know, but Murray was really the one offensive guy. It was fun to watch that matchup, Murray versus Mitchell. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Jazz actually, you know, even without Bo, uh, Bodanovich too, one of the, who's probably, you know, right there as their best shooter. Yeah, he averaged 20 yeah. points a game. Yeah, for them. And he's a great three point shooter. So um, imagine if he actually was able to play in the series, it, you know, be more of a, uh, Jazz may have won this thing in five, but. Um, Jazz have really stepped up after the game one loss, and they looked really good until up until last night. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, and, and Mitchell still played really well last night, and the Jazz still have a really good chance of winning the series. I mean, they just they just need uh, Connolly and Gobert to have better games, have the games they had in games three and four, not the games they had last night. And there's still a very good chance. I think I think the Jazz are going to win the series. I didn't think previously the Jazz were, before the series that the Jazz were going to win, but I think now the Jazz are going to win the series. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Jazz are going to win the same six. Um, yeah, just because I you know, um, you know, after game one, I, I didn't think that was gonna happen, but that you know, the, the way that you know, um, as you said, Gobert and um, Mike Conley have really stepped up their play from game one, and the, and it's even now, yeah, I guess, even the whole team really has you know, good guys that um, have been playing a lot of minutes have been really stepped up and helped the team to you know, um, help out the loss from Bogdanovich. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So it should be interesting to see what ends up happening between these two teams. Game uh, six is tomorrow. I think three o'clock tomorrow on ESPN. Game six, four o'clock tomorrow. Thanks, Justin. Four o'clock tomorrow on uh, ESPN is game six between these two teams. But we'll go over to the Eastern Conference and we'll start with the Celtics and the Sixers. And the series was a sweep. Celtics did what they had to do. I mean, uh, Tatum averaged over twenty points a game. Uh, Kemba the same thing, and then. Uh, and uh, Jalen Brown, the same thing. So you had three guys that averaged over 20 points a game. They all did that, and that's in this series. And the Celtics were able to move on to the next round pretty easily. But the story here is the Sixers. Uh, uh, Joel Embiid played really well, outstanding, averaged 30 points a game in the series. But the problem is, is no, they didn't have Ben Simmons, and no one stepped up around him. Al Horford and Tobias Harris were absolutely pathetic in the series. They were absolutely terrible. And, I mean, Richardson and Milton did, did what they could do, but, you know, uh, uh, Harris and Horford were terrible, and B played well, but the Sixers uh, were just were just didn't have enough enough around Embiid to, to even win a game in the series. And that's and, and when you have a player like Embiid, I, I I get you know the Celtics were the better team, but you got to at least win a, ga- a game. And I think that's a big reason why Brett Brown ended up getting fired. Yeah, um, I'm, I agree there. I just, I never understood the Al Horford signing. It, it oh, it was terrible. It seemed like this was a more of a small ball team, but then you add a second center. So yeah, we're we're gonna get to six or mistakes uh, next too. Okay, all right. So then I'll 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 save it for that then. Um, but yeah, you know, Embiid played really well again. I you know they may have won a game or two with Simmons, but clearly Boston was a better team. Um, it was act. It was you know it was really really great to see Kemba Walker actually play some meaningful basketball again. Um. They yeah. could not guard, they could not guard him. 
You, we know you. We know you love watching Kemba Walker play well. Oh yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, and I'm a Kemba guy too. I think he's a very good player. You just don't want him being the best player on your team. If he's like the second or third option, you're fine. You just don't want him being the best player on your team. You're not going to win anything with, with him. I know it's going to hurt UConn Nation. It's going to hurt Justin. But you don't want anything. You don't want Kemba being the best player on your team. You want him being the second or third best player. And if that happens, you're fine. And I, yeah, and I I agree with you because I, he doesn't want to be that. You know, he wants to be the scorer first. He'd rather be um, the pass first type of guy. I, I feel like at times, but you know, but he understands at times that hey, you know, I do got to be that scorer first mentality. Um, but I think he'd rather kind of be the secondary guy. Um, but and, and you know, you could clearly see it. He, he, got, he has got Tatum now. He's got Jalen Brown. He's got Gordon Hayward when he's healthy. Um, and the, the Celtics scene, the first half of Sunday's game, they did not play great. They played pretty sloppy. They fixed it up. They they played better in the second half and were able to come back and get the win um, against the Sixers. But yeah, they, you know, they looked a lot. Yeah, they, for a couple of the games, they just looked su- more superior than the, um, especially in game two. Um, they just looked like the absolute better team. On, uh, and they were missing Gordon Hayward too. Um, but yeah, you know, um, when they play the Ratchets, it should be a really good series, but it was fun to watch this uh, Celtic team this weekend. Um, they, they, you know, they play really well. And Jason Tatum really stepping up and trying to become that, you know, that superstar um, level tier. Yeah, the Celtics they made the Sixers, and that resulted in uh, Brett Brown getting fired. And I don't think Brett Brown was a great coach, but it definitely was not all of his fault. If we go back to you know, you know, back in the, the when the process began with Sam Hankey and 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 uh, now with, now with Elton Brand, we back to all that. And, and obviously, Joe put up a graphic. Brand has. Uh, not want to trade Embiid and Simmons, and nor should he. I mean, I think they're both, you know, I mean, and Simmons has not played up to his potential, in my opinion. And 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 I think Embiid's a real player, but the problem is, in this in this era of the NBA, you cannot you cannot win big with 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 a center. You can't win with the center. That's obvious. Look at the Magic. You look at the Timberwolves. You look at the Sixers. Even the Nuggets. I mean, Jokic played as well as any center could play last night. But if Murray didn't have the game he had, there's no way they would have won. So you really you can't win anything in the NBA. In 2020, with your best player being a center, you, you just can't do that. But yeah, Brand says you know Simmons and Embiid. There's uh there's no plans to break them up yet. You you I think you got to wait for Simmons to develop, develop see if he can develop a three point shot before you get rid of him. I think that's a smart move there. But there have just been many sixer mistakes since they started the process, and obviously this process started around 2013, 2014. The first player taken to start pretty much start the process in, in the 2014 draft that was Joel Embiid. Good pick there, mm-hmm. but. Where they screwed up was the next year. They took Jaleel Okafor, who you know well because he won a national championship at Duke, over Christos Porzingis. That was a that was a terrible move, absolutely pathetic. That move was terrible. 2016 in the draft, they took Ben Simmons over Brandon Ingram. Both players right now pretty much have had the same kind of career, but Ingram is the better scorer, and you could argue Ingram could have been the better player. And 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 that and that uh and Justin, if you disagree, just just uh, you know, if you disagree with me, you you definitely chime in. But uh, yeah, to me, Ingram and Simmons were pretty were pretty close. But and I even think right now Ingram could be a little bit ahead of Simmons because of how he how how he uses the score. Uh, 2017, this was the really bad one. They trade up to draft Markel Fultz, who they've ended up trading to the Magic, uh, and they could have had Jason Tatum. This is the one that really really hurts because Jason Tatum has beaten them in two playoff series when they could have drafted him. And imagine that team with Ben Simmons at point. And I think if if Tatum's on the team, they would have kept Ben Simmons at point. You have, you have Simmons at point. Tatum at, at small forward and Embiid at center. 
I just imagine what things could have been like. Things would be completely different in Philly if they if they made that pick. And then you look at last year; they trade for Jimmy Butler, and they end up not. They end up, but they end up, you know, resign. They end up resigning Tobias Harris, and they end up resigning Al Horford instead of Jimmy Butler. And look at what Jimmy Butler's done with the Heat. Jimmy Butler last year on the Sixers was one and one a to being one of the best players on that team outside of Joel Embiid. And you could argue he was the most important player on that team, and they didn't resign him. So terrible front office moved by the Sixers. Yes, Brent Brown wasn't a great coach. But mainly the front office really screwed this up for the Sixers. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, they did, and I know you know they've hit on a couple, but yeah, you know the big ones, Tatum, you know Ingram, and I agree with the Ingram one right now. Just um, again, because I think next year when he's on the Pelicans, I think you know um, that could be a really really good team next year with Zion, but um. Yeah, you know, if Simmons if Simmons can def- get a jump shot, he's going to be so tough to guard as a point guard. I know they kind of change him to power forward later, but I, I, you know, and going back to your your point, with yeah, you can't win with a center anymore. You can't. I I, I, I don't want to hear that you, that you can't. I mean, it's just because they don't they don't shoot threes as consistently as as a guard can. This is a guard's game. It's a three point shooting game. It's a game where you could penetrate, get to the basket, and kick it out to shooters. That's what the game is today. This is the 1990s. You cannot win a NBA championship where the center is your best player. I don't care how good the center is. Yeah, it, it, you know, they make a great point. I I totally agree with you. It's, it doesn't you know have it. I know all most of them have really tried to step up and, you know, try to be a three-point shooter and, and all that. But still, yeah, you're not – you don't shoot it as consistently as a guard, and it's easier to defend you at times. So, yeah, it's a, it's a guard league now, and, you know, it, it's tough. And then it just – going back to the Horford thing, I just don't understand how you give him $27.5 million, what you saw Jimmy Butler do in Miami this year, to get that team in the playoffs and get a step farther than you guys did and, you know, be a spot ahead of you in the standings. Um, and especially for a small ball lineup, which I thought they really wanted to play, but um, very questionable decision there. I don't really know why, but yeah, you know, they, they made some very questionable moves and it's taunting them. And, and uh, Tobias Harris played a little bit better Sunday. He got the ball better than he has. Um, thankfully that injury, he was able to come back from that injury. Cause that was, that was a scary fall he took, um, but they still needed more out of him for for the first three games of that series, and they really didn't get it. Um, so, yeah, you know, some questionable questionable moves. And I heard, you know, Alton Brand was on the uh, hot seat as well, but it seems like they're going to keep him around, which is, you know, interesting with the moves that they've made over the last few years. But, uh, or actually, no, he's not going to be the GM, but I guess I think he's still going to be part of some of their decision makings, I think, is what it sounds like. Um, but yeah, you know, a couple couple of those moves that pan out, and they're definitely in the top. You know, they're definitely one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference. Three things, uh, as you said, Justin. The key word there with Tobias Harris was the first three games. I don't care how good a player plays in a series when they're down three zero. The first three games, he was terrible. He was terrible in the series to me. He, he, Harris was terrible, and, and and for them choosing him over Jimmy Butler. And Al Horford over Jimmy Butler, that was a pathetic move by Alton Brand, and that's why Alton Brand should be fired as GM. That's that's my second point. Third, Ben Simmons needs to learn how to become a three-point shooter if he wants to have success in this league or be considered an elite player in this league or be worth the number one pick in this league. Because right now, he is not worth the number one pick. I don't care if he won Rookie of the Year. That that that, that should have went to Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell is head and shoulders a better player than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is a good defender, 
He's a good distributor. He is not a great scorer. He is an, he plays like an old school point guard, which doesn't work today. He's averages six, 15 points, 15 to 16 points a game. That doesn't work today for an elite player or a player that's worth the number one pick. He needs to learn how to shoot threes or he will not, he will not live up to his potential. He will not live up to being the number one pick unless he learns how to shoot threes. Uh, that's the biggest thing. I, I don't give up on Simmons yet, but he better get in the gym this off season and start shooting threes. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he has to, it's, you know, it, it's too easy nowadays. Um, you know, if you can't shoot threes, it's, it's easy to guard you. And I know even at six foot 10 um, and you know, how his ability to be able to take it to the, the hole, um, it helps a bit, but yes, yeah, so you do need to be able to shoot knock down three pointers. Cause I think, Another one of the disappointing things was for them, and one of their losses this year was, um, you know, losing JJ Reck, and I think that hurt their offense as well because they didn't, they don't really have a true shooting guard this year. Um, that which um, I think definitely hurt this team. But yes, if Simmons wants to play his full potential, if he wants that big, big contract, yes, he does need to be able to hit threes, and it will make him such a better player. And I remember in college too, you know, that, that LSU team, they think they had a top 10 class too, and they, they were in the NIT. Yeah. Um, so he just hasn't been able to do it again. I don't know what he did at the high school level, but so far in the, you know, college NBA hasn't been able to, you know, be a winner and, and get his team to the next level. He's not been able to do that yet. Um, but the pressure is starting to really get on Ben Simmons and he really, really needs to develop a shot by next year he really needs it absolutely and so we'll go to the other series with the nets and the raptors obviously that was a 4-0 sweep raptors swept them uh nets they contained levert that's pretty much all they had to do and that's what they did a couple stories though uh, for both teams and obviously the, we'll get to the biggest one after 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 we go to this one is the nets are gonna try to go after greg popovich in the offseason i think that may end up being a good idea for the nets that to go after pop i mean this is I mean, look at the spurs right now uh, they're just not they're not really that they're not a great team anymore. They're kind of an outdated team with Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, DeMar DeRozan. They don't shoot threes. That's a problem. The Spurs are kind of too outdated. Pop goes to Brooklyn. Uh, he's going to have, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. I really like this team. And I'm telling you, if Pop goes to Brooklyn and maybe he becomes the head coach, they are going to be my favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference next year. Yeah. Um, I could def I definitely see that because uh, Pavis is one of my favorites in the NBA. Um, I and also too, you know, the GM, the assistant GM, and two assistant coaches on the Nets staff were all in the San Antonio organization the last. The few line years, really so. helped out. Um, so that really yeah, and the Blazers gave them a hard fought. You know, they haven't the rat or for the net for the Nets or for the Nets to try to get them over to Brooklyn. I can't see. You know, it'd be really weird to see them out of. Uh, Brooklyn, I and but it, it it would be a very smart hire for Brooklyn if they if they can get him they can get Pop to come out to Brooklyn it would be such a great hire for them him him and Kyrie Irving would be a very interesting relationship I think but it it'd definitely be a smart smart move for Brooklyn and it really with already Durant and Kyrie and then you had a great coach like Greg Popovich it's just that will elevate you a lot and they'll definitely be a favorite to get, you know, they'll definitely be one of the favorites to get out of the Eastern conference. Absolutely. But now we're going to get to pretty much, I think the biggest story of the day, and that's with the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics and, and seeing what happened 
uh, with 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 the uh, with the shooting in Wisconsin. I mean, just just terrible, absolutely horrible. And uh, a lot of them are now thinking about boycotting the game. I mean, we've just they, the Raptors just had a had a press conference. Conference. Uh, Kyle Lowry uh, texted Jay Williams during a show and said, "All options are on the table." Uh, Nick Nurse was on that same show saying, "We're listening to we're listening to anything right now." Uh, it's and uh, th- and the Raptors and the Celtics are planning to meet Wednesday to discuss what what's going to happen tomorrow. So just a terrible, th- terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean, you had the shooting in Wisconsin. You heard LeBron James speak out. You heard an emotional message by Doc Rivers. Just a horrible, horrible thing. And it just shows you that this our society has continued not to be progressive. You know, this thing has just continued to happen. With uh, with the with the shoot with obviously the shooting of Jacob Blake, it's, it's just and we obviously the the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, it's just you know what's happening to African Americans, and you cannot blame them for thinking this way because a lot of the NBA uh, the NBA community is predominantly African American, and they're sitting in a bubble for and, and really feeling helpless towards their family, their friends, and they feel like you know they, they're just there's so much anxiety there that. Right now, they're players that feel like, and even LeBron said, basketball's half. The playoffs are half on my mind. What's going on in this country? That's half. That's the half of that's on my mind too. So they're dealing with they're dealing with this as well. And and it's 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 crazy it, right now. Is basketball the most important thing? Seeing what happened in Wisconsin on Sunday night with Jacob Blake. Yeah, um, you know it's it's terrible to what happened with Jacob Blake, and it yeah it does show that. There's still a lot of work to be done in this country to um, for African Americans and and all that, you know. Yeah, and, and I don't blame these guys for not feeling safe out there because you know, and, and being in that bubble, you know, is tough because you don't, you know, again, you're you're worried that you know um, something could happen, you know, to, to somebody. And it, it's it's tougher because you know, as we saw after the George Floyd one, you know, a lot of the guys went out and were protesting and, and all that. And obviously, they cannot, you know, they can't go out and go protest. They're, yeah, they're they're kind of they're, you know, for a lot of their kind of hands are kind of tied right now because they can't really lead. You know, all they can really do is speak and kind of just, you know, say what they want to say out on social media. They can't really do much action for it right now being in a bubble, being in the bubble because they can't go out and, and, you know, the community isn't, you know, try to help the situation. And, you know, it's unfortunate for all of them, but yeah, you know, and I don't blame a lot of these guys for, you know, you know, like a LeBron, for LeBron James saying, you know, half my mind is on the shoe and, and half my mind's on basketball right now. It's, you know, yeah, it's a unfortunate situation and hopefully, you know, soon rather than later we can make that next step of progression and you know hopefully end all this yeah i mean we're a sports show we don't really talk about political issues a lot but knowing what the raptors and celtics are discussing right now and they're knowing that they're the the next series we thought it'd be appropriate to discuss this for a little bit but yeah i mean really whatever these nba teams choose to do i'm in support of you know i think you know yes the nba has put a lot of money in to put this bubble idea but if a lot of these players feel like they want to be home with their friends, with their families, to be able to protect them. I, I, even if say the say, you know, everybody starts doing this and then they call off the playoffs, I'd have to support that decision. Yeah, that you know, I, you know, I hope we don't get that far, that step in there. You know, uh, hopefully, hopefully, we don't get to that final conclusion. Hopefully not, but yeah, you know, if they cancel the playoffs and they want to do something like that, you you can't 
blame them if they want to, you know, say, look, I don't, you know, we don't want to be here anymore. We rather help, you know, this country out and, and try to figure out a way to help this country, you know, progress. Um, so we end all the, all these shootings and, and all that, you know, it's, yeah, it would be so unfortunate, but you can't, you wouldn't, you can't blame the guys for wanting to kind of help out their country and, and putting basketball aside for a little bit. Not at all. Not at all. So we're going to wrap up the NBA talking quickly about the last two series of the Eastern conference. And we'll start with the, uh, with the Bucks and the magic. And again, you know, Giannis has been great. He just won defensive, uh, defensive player of the year yesterday. Uh, Middleton has stepped up for them, which has been a big reason they've won, you know, they're able to win games uh, three and four. And for the magic, Vujicic has been great, but I'll go back to my previous point. You cannot compete. You cannot win an NBA championship with the best player being your center. And that's why the Magic are going to lose this series in five games. Yep. Yeah, they're going to go down by, you know, I think four o'clock. So the next few hours here, yeah, those seasons are wrapping, wrapping up quite shortly. But when the Bucks actually play defense on the perimeter, they're so tough to be able to score on. So, uh, you know, hopefully they come out and play defensively like that and they, they should win by a landslide. Um, because, yeah, pretty much besides Bullshit. Um, they really, the Magic really haven't had much going for him. Um, and yeah, and Chris Middleton, 18 points in the fourth quarter the other day out of, I think he had, so 18 of his 21 came in the fourth quarter, um, in game four. So he really played well with eight, you know, um, and they put him away because they're only up three going into the final quarter and they pulled away late. So, um. Yeah, it's so I I I had the Bucks today win in five. Yeah, so then in the other series, the team who they're the Bucks will probably play in the in the second round. The Heat, who are one of the best three point shooting teams, they end up sweeping the uh, Indiana Pacers uh, four games to none. Uh, Butler, uh, Gordon Dragic had a good series. Bam Adebayo played well for the Pacers. Uh, uh, Victor Oladipo was 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 banged up. He he got it through that series. They didn't have Devonte Sabonis. And they were just they were just overmatched. And here's the but but their organization made a terrible move today firing Nate McMillan. That's an absolutely pathetic move to fire him. You don't have your best player. You, you didn't have Victor Oladipo for most of the season either. And you still were a top. You finished with the with the fourth best record in the Eastern Conference. What a pathetic move by the Indiana by the Pacers organization to get rid of Nate McMillan. At McMillan, absolutely terrible. Pelicans would be smart to hire him. Yeah, that was a head scratcher. I, I was very surprised when I heard that news this morning. Um, I I don't I don't get it. Um, because they just gave him an extension last August, just over a year ago. They gave him a one year extension, and now you fire. I, yeah, because you didn't have all deep, you know, all depot was banged up this whole series, and then you didn't have him until February, and you're still one of the top halves of the Eastern Conference. So, you know, you missed Dante Sabonis, you know, as well this series. You had Jeremy Lamb, who was out, who was a starter until Victor Aldipo got healthy. I, yeah, so I. I don't understand um, why they did this. The only way, the only thing I could think of is they must 100% know who their next coach is and they're 100% confident whoever that is, is coming to coach the scene next year. That's the only thing I could think of. I know sometimes that kind of happens in college, not really NBA, you know, so not, I don't really see it professionally, but yeah, that was a, that was a big head scratcher. Um, and talk about, you know, I'll talk about the Heat quickly. You know, I know they didn't have – Butler got hurt kind of, be, you know, 
in the first half, came back in the second. And, um, you know, and guys stepped up around. Kendrick Nunn came back. Um, didn't play a ton, but played, you know, played, a, you know, just to get his feet, just to get his feet wet there. Um, but Bama Bio for a, for a forward, because he, he doesn't really play guard. He's got such great vision. I don't, you know, like, like I remember at Kentucky being good. I, I never thought he was going to turn into this. Um, you know, that, that turned into a really good pick. Cause that was like a, he was like the 12th, 13th pick too. So he was just, you know, late lottery guy. Um, he's panned out really, really well for Miami. They've done a very good job with him. And this heat team, the way they play defense is going to be very tough on Milwaukee. I feel like. Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think the heat give, give the, uh, definitely give Milwaukee a tough series, but it's funny. Joe shows up, shows this picture of Nate McMullen and, uh, and Mike D'Antoni. And, uh, it looks like the one of the Pacers' targets is Mike D'Antoni because there's a lot of rumors that Mike D'Antoni might be get fired or not come back to the Rockets next year. Yeah, it, it, you know that's an interesting. I think I think D'Antoni would if he if the Rockets keep him, he's got to at least get to the conference finals or NBA finals. I, I feel like the only way he's going to be able to keep his job. It'd be an interesting hire because I don't, you know I know they have Warren, I know they have Al Depot, but it's a bonus. I know I can shoot and Brogdon. I just I don't know. I just don't really like this unless he kind of changed the style. I know you don't have James Harden anymore, but I don't you know what's you know, I know he's been around for a while. I just I don't get the I like I'm trying to think of the word here. I you know, I don't of kind of the hype around it, it you know, because McMullen did a great job with the scene this year, I thought. You know, they they were four seed and all that. I don't I don't I, I'm not really a big D'Antonio guy just because of the, the style. And I know it's the new way era of the NBA. It, it's an interesting one. If that's the case, I don't – again, I wouldn't agree with it. I think, you know, you're better off McMullen, who also, too, I forgot to mention this, did get a vote for Coach of the Year. I know it was only one single vote, but he still got a yeah, vote. He gets a vote for Coach of the Year, and he gets fired. Just no – that makes no sense at all. And And, of course – you know, Justin doesn't like that new school game with the, uh, you know, the, 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 the three point shooting, and everything. He, he, as we, as we know, he likes that old school game with them, with them playing inside. Yep. Yeah. Now, and I, I, I know that's, it's gotten away from that, but I just, I, again, I still think you need some post guys to be able to win some production, but I don't know. I just would not be the biggest fan of this move. Like, you know, unless you go out and win an NBA championship, then yeah, then they made the right call. That's sad, actually. Three and sixteen in postseason play probably was a factor. On as I see that now, I didn't know that. That that may be a factor right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she definitely had trouble. And three of those wins were actually in 2018 when they went up against the when Old Depot went up against LeBron James. Old Depot was healthy and went up against LeBron. They had that seven game series. Those were three of those wins. They've been swept the last two years in the playoffs. But to be fair, he didn't have Old Depot last year in the playoffs, and he didn't have Zabonis this year in the playoffs. So. You get, I just think I still think you know this hiring made absolutely no sense, but we'll see what the Pacers end up doing. But we got to get to the NFL, and we're going to talk about a couple safeties that uh, one got paid and one got released. We'll start with the one that got released, and that was Earl Thomas, who got released because of a practice altercation he had with the other with with his uh, with the safety he played the side with Chuck Clark on Friday. And I think this is an excellent move for the Ravens. Yes, Earl Thomas is still a good player, 
but he's not the player he was in Seattle. And you've got to set the culture of your organization. You got you got Eric DaCosta, who learned from one of the best, Ozzie Newsome. You know, I think I think this is a, a move where you can't be getting into fights during the middle of COVID in practice. That's just that's just absolutely ridiculous. You're not following protocol there. Great move by the Ravens to send him home. The Ravens won't miss a beat without him. Yes, he's a good player, but he's not the best player on that defense. He's uh, he's in a secondary with two of the top corners in football with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. So the Ravens will be fine without uh, Earl Thomas. And then you look at some teams that uh, uh, Earl Thomas has potential to go to. Obviously, the Cowboys, you heard that. Those rumors have been going on for the last three years, ever since he went in the locker room after you know the, they, they knocked the Cowboys out of the playoffs and he wanted the Cowboys to go to, to get him. In, in the playoffs, uh, you got the uh, you get you got uh, the, you got the the Niners, your Pats because they lost uh, Patrick Chung. Uh, you got the Eagles because they always need a safety. I mean, Jalen Mills and Rodney McLeod aren't good enough. The Browns they lost Grant Delpit the other day, and then you got the Texans too. So and he would be back in Texas there. So you got about you know uh, four or five teams that are interested in, in Earl Thomas, but you know. They still haven't made a deal yet, and I think he'll definitely get signed before opening day. But I think for the Ravens side, good move. Uh, you got to set the culture. You you got an elite organization, and you just can't have that going on. Yeah, you can't. And the Baltimore's always had a good culture. You know, they they really have avoided these problems. Um, I heard, you know, too that this has been boiling for a while. I've also heard that, um, according to a couple of the defensive guys that were anonymous, saying that. You know, he just do what he showed up when he wants. He'd miss meetings. He'd just, you know, he'd practice when he wanted to practice. It just seemed like it was kind of um, just everything was just kind of boiling over with him. And he, yeah, it, it's a good move by the Ravens. I'm not surprised they did it. Um, it's, it's it's always a it's a good organization. They've always handled, you know, um, they you know they've always have 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 had a handle on all this. Um, so definitely the right move. He's not the same guy he was in Seattle. Um, so definitely agree with the move. And, you know, the second time now in 18 months he's been caught. But um, it's risky. And definitely I could definitely see the Cowboys because they pick up guys, you know, um, just because, you know, it's Dallas. Um, the Pats is an interesting one. I, I don't know if I want him in our locker room. It would, you know, if he could somewhat – Stay out of his head out of trouble, sure. But I don't. That's an yeah. You know, I don't. You know, I don't. Him and Bill, I think, would be clashing. But uh, you know, and obviously that would not go over well. He would not last very long. You know, I could. I. I you know, I. I see him going to Dallas. I, I see Jerry probably pulling the trigger here and signing him for you know the remainder of the year. Yeah, I, I I could definitely see Dallas uh, getting him. I mean, I'm happy they're getting him now that he's out of his prime. I'm happy they're going to get him instead yeah. of Jamal Adams. You got Jamal Adams, I'd be really upset. But I'm happy they're getting a, an Earl Thomas that's out of his prime. Still a good safety, but he's not the safety you he once was. And you look at the timeline with him too. I mean, you remember the you know the, when the, he was holding out from uh, he was holding out at the beginning of the season in 2018. He went in on and played that season. He wanted he wanted a contract extension. Seattle didn't give him the contract extension. He gets hurt in, in week four. He then flips the Seahawks organization off for not for not giving the money. Then he gets paid in Baltimore, and now he gets in this altercation. So the time so Earl Tom, the timeline for Earl Thomas has not been good recently. The players declining, and I just think personally it's the right move for the Ravens. 
But we're going to move on to another safety who got paid uh, yesterday, and that's uh, Buda Baker of the Cardinals. And we know, you know, Justin probably watched Buda Baker at, you know, Washington and thought he was, you know, this really, really good player. And yes, he's a good player in this league, but he's not on the level of Derwin James, Jamal Adams, uh, Kevin Byard, Harrison Smith. He's not on that level. And, you know, he's the highest paid safety. Yes, he's very, very good against the run. Pro Football Focus said he was his run grade is like eighty-eight point like seven, so he's like top five against the run. Uh, but the problem is, is in coverage, his grade is in the sixties, so that's what makes him right now pretty much you know a good to above average linebacker, a good to above average uh, safety. But he's getting paid; he's getting fourteen million, fourteen point seven million a year, more than any safety in the league. But I just feel like Arizona. You know, even though they probably didn't want to lose him, he's a good player that they didn't want to lose. But I think they're just overpaying here for a player who's not, who's who's not a great player. Buda Baker is a good player. He's not a great player, and I, I, I and I don't think at this position he's really worth this kind of money. Yeah, I was actually I was there was a bit of head scratches to see him get be the highest paid safety um, in his career too. He still has not caught. He still has not have an interception. Which is really weird. I mean, we don't judge defensive backs and interceptions, but yeah, I get it, Justin. That is weird. That, that it's weird. I don't know. He led um last year the defensive backs. He had like 147 tackles. I I know he does every you know, um he does a little bit of everything, which is nice to have. Um, you know, I remember that play um last year against the Steelers against Dante Johnson. Uh, I think it, that was Dante Johnson. Um, where he just came out of nowhere, it looks like Johnson was have a touchdown. He, he came out of nowhere and um stopped him just short there. Um, yeah, he stopped him, I think, just short of an end of the touchdown because he he's I remember I watched he's got some he's he is quick, he is really really fast. Um, you know, I know he's two time pro bowler. I just it was, yeah, it's just I, I it was a bit of head scratcher to see this guy get. But of what I was reading, it sounds like they really kind of want to build the defense around him. So um, that you know, that that's kind of what. Well, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, well, they really shouldn't be building the defense around him. You got you still got Chandler Jones, you draft Isaiah Simmons. He'll probably clearly be your third best player on that defense. And I, I don't think really think you should be building your defense around a, uh, a good to above average safety. I would not be doing that. I build my defense around a. A, a, a guy who can get to the quarterback like Chandler Jones. I think they should be building their defense around that, not around him. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, and especially maybe a guy like Isaiah Simmons that you just drafted who, you know, again, I know he had some playing NFL snap, but um, he, he could be really, really good. But remember this too, Cliff Kingsbury is not known for his defense. He does not, uh, you know, Texas Tech, they every year and year. Oh, yeah. In the hundreds. Defense. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember like the Mahomes senior year, they were like, they had the worst defense in all of college football. Yeah. And if they had a somewhat decent defense, they probably would have won 10 games with Pat Mahomes as your quarterback. But no, so they did not. So um, defensive-wise, he's not the greatest. So maybe it doesn't surprise me that he kind of thinks he can build D around here. Um, but it, it was an interesting move. I understand they want to keep him. He's, he's done a little bit of everything. But, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if he's worthy of being the highest-paid player because – a lot of the safeties, you know, who are above him now are going to be uh, licking their chops now. Oh, yeah. You know, Jamal Adams getting 16, 17 a year at least. At least getting 16, 17 million a year. He's going to want that now, even though it's, it's – I wouldn't – it's done a premium position, but – And the way they 
gets Gabe Baker, you're really making it. You're really pushing that limit because uh, they may get played like a primary defender. Yeah. There is there is no way Derwin James or Jamal Adams get let they get less than this month. They get le- less than this. There's no way possible to get less than this. No, they they get insulted. They get- oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, it would be it would be insulting. To, right. for them to get paid you know, less than what he's getting paid because the both of them are clearly better safeties than him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I completely agree. Could be a problem for teams getting ready to pay. Yeah. Adams and uh, Derwin James. Cause yeah, it's, it sets the market now. And uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to go on to a baseball and uh, last night I was watching hard knocks or checking my phone and uh I saw Giolito had a no-hitter, so I switched it over, and uh, I watched the ninth inning. It was really, really fun to watch the ninth inning of that, of that game. Uh, and uh, the, the last batter, uh, that line drive to right field, I thought, I thought I thought it was going to be a base hit, but then he ends up making the play. Giolito gets a no-hitter, the first no-hitter of the season. Really exciting for him, and he's came a long way. He had Two years ago, he had the worst ERA in baseball now. He's one of the he's one of the better pitchers in the game. I mean, he's, he's definitely the White Sox number two starter. Last year he was their number one. He's definitely one of the better pitchers in the game, and good for him for throwing a no hitter last night. Yeah, um, I, I did see that. Yeah, the final I watched the final two innings. I saw that. I I I was with you. I thought that line drive was down. I thought that last bat. I thought that thing was down. Um, it hung up just enough for Adam Engel to grab that. And you know, I think the thing too is he walked one guy. And he didn't give up a lot of hard contact either. Like, it wasn't one of those where he got saved and his team was just in the right position every time. He was really dominant. I think he had 13 strikeouts with Kriai. Um, He looked really good and completely agreed. His ERA in 2018 was a 6.40. It was the worst among active qualifiers. And to see what he's done now is impressive. And, you know, Chicago has found themselves the race. I know they got Keiko now, but. You know, they, they got, you know, Giolito for the future. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he will be their ace for the, for the future. Yeah. Keiko's getting a little bit older. He's had a really good, he's had a really good year for the White Sox, but Giolito was definitely their ace for the future. But we got to talk still in baseball. We're still talking about COVID issues, even a month in. It's almost now like you're thinking, you're thinking to yourself, it's not if a, a team, a member of a team is going to get it, it's, it's when. And it's every week. Started with the Marlins, then the Cardinals, then the Reds. And this week it was the Mets. And it ended, and it affected our Yankees again. Our Yankees were affected. They had all three of their games in their series against the Mets postponed. The Mets had four games postponed. They had a game against the Marlins on Thursday postponed, and all three games against the Yankees this weekend postponed. Uh, they they picked up uh, they picked up yesterday. Had a doubleheader against the Marlins. Were absolutely terrible in that doubleheader. Got shut out in fourteen innings in that doubleheader. But this this is starting. The point's becoming more and more obvious. Baseball needs to go to a bubble in the postseason, or they're not going to crown a champion. Every team is getting this every week. At least, at least a member of every team is getting it every week. Baseball's got to go to a bubble with all with all these with every team with with so with one team a week getting faced with this. Yeah, I know they are. And one thing about last night, I don't know if you saw what the Mets hit and when they were in scoring position, but they were uh, 0 for 15 last night. And that, that, that that's the story of their season. That's the story of their season. They cannot hit with runners in scoring position at all. That's like the story of the year for the Mets. Oh yeah, and it continued last night. But um, yeah, I. MLB's got to go to bubble. It's it's every week, and I know okay they got it in time, and it's only two people, and then you know they miss six you know six days, and uh, you know it's a lot or five days, 
But yeah, it's every week. It's it's weird too because it's only been the National League teams that have got COVID. None of the Amer- you know American League teams have had their thing affect you know their schedules affected, but none of them have had you know have had to cancel games, which is weird. That's only been um, National League teams. Um, but yeah, they they have to go to the bubble. There's no way you're going to be able to finish this thing because how do you wait four or five days to continue the series? Because then all the other series are done and they're waiting for you to finish up. It just it mess everything up. It would, um, I think, affect hitters, would affect pitchers, and you don't really want that. You want all these guys in the playoffs to be in a rhythm, be in a groove, because they're playing pretty much every day. You know, you get the one day of travel and that's it, and you'd lose all that if you're not in the bubble and a team comes down with COVID. I would think if a team comes down with COVID, you you know, they're gonna have to forfeit. You can't wait around a week to finish a, po- you know, you can't wait a whole week to restart or, you know, get going again in a, in a series. There's no way. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. You, you, you can't. I mean, they have to go to a bubble. It's completely obvious. I mean, if you just have give team, because you, it's a, as I've said, it's not a, it's not a, not uh, an issue. Uh, it's not an issue of if if someone's going to get it. It's an issue when someone's going to get it. Now, seeing that every team has gotten it pretty much every single week, so yeah, you have to go to a bubble and uh, and and fix this. And 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 if they if they don't have a bubble, like I've said, they're not they're not crowning a champion. That's it's plain and simple. So, so baseball needs to go to a bubble for the postseason. But we'll t- and, and obviously and, and you know there's another there was another issue in baseball too this week. Angels at for 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 another issue, the Angels Astros game got postponed. Due to uh, due to hurricane due to hurricane Laura, as, as that approaches, so we've had a ton of postponements and cancellations. But we're going to go on to the team the Mets were supposed to play this week, and, and that and that's the Yankees. And looking at the schedule for the Mets and Yankees this week, they got uh they got uh two games on Friday. Yankees have a doubleheader today. They got two games Friday, one game Saturday, one game two games Sunday. So they got a five game series. They'll make up the other game on September third. So it's going to be interesting. You're going to see a lot of Yankee Met baseball in the next in the next week. Yeah, there's going to be a ton of it. Seven games in the next week. Um, kind of cool to see that rivalry. Too bad, you know, obviously no fans, so a little different. But yeah, um, you know, it, it's it's there's a lot of uh, you know they're they're really going to need the pitching staff here. They're really going to need Cole and Tanaka today to really set that tone. For the rest of the week. And the thing is, too, now that they got rained out last night, the plan was for Sunday, it sounds like, to bring Cole and Tanaka back Sunday to pitch the doubleheader. But obviously, you can't do that now. You can't do that now. So you lose those two for Sunday. But um, there's a lot. And, you know, again, I think at this point now, probably you're going to probably see, you know, Brian Cashman and Abram. I think they're going to trade for starter. I don't, you know, I think they could. Tajon Walker. I, I've, I've even heard like a Kevin Guzman, which wasn't great in Baltimore. You know, he's familiar with the league, but you kind of maybe probably need a fourth or fifth guy. Um, but it's a lot of pressure now on this pitching staff. And I know you get Judge back today. You, now you lose Torres. You know, Sand and LeMay are still out. So um, a lot of pressure, pressure right now on this pitching staff to be able to, uh, to figure out, you know, to help out the offense right now in just to get innings to help out the bullpen so you don't overuse the bullpen. I'm at a point where, yes, they need a starter, but I'm not more, more, I'm not trading like a Mike Gallagher and Duhar 
to go get, or Clint Frazier to get a starting pitcher. I'm just, I'm just not doing that. I think they're still good enough with the guys they have that they could win. Paxton comes off the DL and pitches better. Tanaka's proven to pitch well. Yes, he struggled this year, but he's proven to pitch well. Happ is a veteran. Yes, Happ is struggling. He's still a veteran. He's still and it's still has potential. He we saw it in 2018. He still has potential to pitch well. So I, I think this rotation, yes, it's it's a above average rotation, not a great rotation, but still a good to a, to an above average rotation, and it's still good enough to win a championship with, especially in baseball in this era where you where you're using a lot of guys out of the bullpen. The Yankees still the best bullpen in baseball, even with even with Britain out, but they should have Britain back by the postseason. Their bullpen is still outstanding. So I think this rotation is good enough to win, and I don't more trade any pieces away to get a starting pitcher. But the big story is, is Aaron Judge coming back. And we finally got him back. He'll be back tonight. We finally get to watch the Yankees today. It's pretty much right when we get off, they're going to be on against the Braves. So we finally get Aaron Judge back. He's had an NBA season. I'm really, I'm really excited that. Uh, and then this series against the Braves. They have a lot of injuries going into this season series, but I'm excited. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see Aaron Judge come back off the IL. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's really going to help that lineup at the top, especially because now – you know, we'll see what Boone kind of does with the lineup, but, you know, Judge 2 and then Voight. The way Voight's been hitting, you know, probably going to be at the three-hole. Um, really, you know, you just get, a, you know, a presence back like Aaron Judge, you know, with his statue at, you know, six foot seven, um, six foot eight. Just being in a lineup, it's, it's going to really help this lineup um, out a, a bit. Actually, the lineup just came out. Actually, Judge is – Judge is not in the lineup in game one. Um, oh, wow. Wow. No. Okay. That's interesting. Maybe yeah. I guess Boone doesn't want to pitch playing both games tonight, I guess, then. But, um, but it, yeah, it, it's going to help to have this guy back as the leader. Um, you know, hopefully, and hopefully, you know, the rest of the guys come back soon enough. But, yeah, it'll be nice to see some Yankee baseball today. Hopefully, judging, hopefully, game two will, you know, have a nice impact. It'll be nice to see him out there again. He's, yeah, he was looking like the MVP from over in the AL before he got hurt. He's probably still definitely in the case for it, um, but he's got some, you know, he's got to make up for it now. Yeah, you know, yeah, because he's missed time. But the good part of him is Mike Trout has struggled a little bit, so that's that's closed the gap a little bit between him and Trout. But I think I think it's between him and Mike Trout for the MVP this year. And we know how what Joe's feelings are on Mike Trout. We definitely differ with that. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Mike Trout guy. He's not. And, uh, Justin, you kind of seem like you're a Mike Trout guy. I mean, you're not as big as me, but you definitely seem like a Trout guy, but if between the two, it's hard for me who I pick for MVP right now, but I probably still have to say judge, even though he's missed some time, I probably still say judge. Yeah. I'm going to say judge. I do like, uh, Mike Trout, you know, again, you know, what he's been able to do, you know, in his first 10 years, I know his team has not been very good. He's been in one playoff, one playoff series. Um, but I think right now I would probably have to go judge. And the big reason why is the record. I know baseball is different than the other sports, but, um, I know Randon's finally hit, but this team's 10 and 22. They're not very good. I know. And I thought it was a team that with eight teams going to AL playoffs, they could definitely fight for one of those wild card spots, you know, and, and uh, so they look pretty much out of it. So I would probably go judge because of the, just the, Records of the teams that is a big case for me. Why, yeah, he's his production, he's yeah, and he's, and he's had a bunch of clutch hits pretty much all year. I mean, he's most of his hits, the Yankees are either you know winning by a run or losing by a run or tied in the game, so he's had a bunch of clutch hits all year. So 
That's why I would still go judge for MVP. The only, the biggest issue this year too, is they just have been able to beat the Rays. I mean, six out of six, one and six against the Rays that just, I know there's injuries, but as Joe said on the roll call, that's not an excuse. This team has to still step up and, and, and win games. And they really have it against Tampa Bay. And Tampa, the thing about Tampa Bay is they've pretty much beaten them where they've been great. They, they, they with they, Garrett Toles had his two worst starts against the Rays and they've, and they've beaten the Yankee bullpen. I remember, uh, there was a Sunday game, uh, in Tampa, they they they, uh, they got the game winning hit off Zach Britton. Uh, then then they got two runs off Zach Britton uh, the, uh, last week, and then the, the day after they got a couple runs off Adam out of Edom. So they've beaten the Yankee bullpen, and they've given Garrett Cole the most trouble. And that's why right now they're definitely probably the biggest threat to the Yankees. Uh, I think in the entire American League, and you could even argue in all of baseball. Yeah, they're cool. You know the way they're playing. Yeah, I think for me it's them. I know. I think we talked about this last week. I think Oakland, because of they can match them offensively, I feel like. Um, the A's can match them. But, yeah, you know, and I felt there's, like, two things that kind of stuck out for me, especially in last week's series, was they had chances with guys in scoring position. They just did not knock guys in. They didn't capitalize off of that. And then it felt like when they actually did, Tampa would come back that next inning and put up one or two runs, and they just could not get that shutdown in it. And – um, that was kind of a disappointing thing. Again, I know you got stuck with, you know, uh, Snell and Glass down last week, but it's still not an excuse. Still not an excuse with the injuries. Um, I agree with you and Joe on that. And they, you know, that's a team, and it's a team, especially that you've dominated at home. It was the first time the Rays won a series since 2018, I think. You can see it the first week that they've gotten there since 2015. They've dominated that team at home, and it was such a huge series. And I know it was kind of a tough time. And I know you swept your arch rival Red Sox. Obviously, they're not very good this year. Um, but it was kind of tough timing with all the injuries, too. But still, you got to at least win one of those. One, at least, you know, obviously you want to win both, but you had to at least win at least one. You can't get swept. And they, they had their opportunities to win, a, win games in that series. They just could not really take advantage of it. Exactly, and and they play, actually play the Rays uh, next week at the stadium too. So that they, they, they gotta they gotta start playing better against them. Those are those are gonna be their final uh, three games against the Rays or next week at the stadium. But we gotta talk about a, a big story from baseball, and and just a just a just a terrible story from baseball. It just shows you how you know it's it, it, not not baseball. It just shows you how some people just are not with the times in 2020. I mean, as obviously we had the Reds, uh, the Reds Royals doubleheader, and Tom Brenneman. He a uh, long time. I mean, his dad was a long time radio guy the, or the Reds for about f- over forty years. Uh, we, as we all know, Tom Brandman, we probably know pretty well. You know, you, you know, you've heard of Tom Brandman, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's he's done a, a lot. He's actually a pretty. He was actually a pretty big announcer. It's a big games on Fox, like like when Joe Buck would do like the the, the ALCS, he would do the NLCS. He'd be like the number two guy on Fox. He does games uh, Fox and he's done games for Fox NFL Sunday for years. Did a lot of Giants games last year too. I mean, seeing he's, he's not he's not the number. You know, when you're doing a lot of Giants games, you're not the number one team. He did a lot of Giants games last year because they were terrible. So, uh, but yeah, he's been a longtime broadcaster for Fox, longtime broadcaster. Uh, he's been the play by guy play by guy for the Reds since 2006, and. Uh, he made a comment that was during the middle of a Reds Royals doubleheader on F on FS uh, one on Fox Sports Ohio, saying the FAG capital of the world, 
that is completely unacceptable and 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 should not be said on at all in in, in 2020. It's just an embarrassing comment. And he and Fox did the right move. They got rid of him. They replaced him with Kevin Kugler on the NFL on Fox. We won't be calling games there. But I think the the, the, the disgraceful part is the Reds have not fired him yet, or FS or uh, FS1 uh, Ohio has has not fi- fired him fired him yet. And actually, we got we even got the the sound for, uh, for Joe. Uh, Joe's got the uh, the video for us that he, for his apologies. So we're going to go to that right now. Playing through this game as Holland takes over on the mound. Uh, I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Uh, If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I want to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck for the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I work with, for anybody that I've offended here tonight. I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am. That is not who I am uh, and never has been. And I'd like to think maybe I could have some people that uh, that could back that up. I am very, very sorry, and I beg for your forgiveness. Jim Day will take you the rest of the way home. Yeah, that you just heard Tom Brenneman, you know, give his apology. And the weird part of his apology, though, was he still uh, he's. He, st- he still called that home run by Nick Castellanos. That was completely that – that I don't think that was necessary to call the home run. Just give your apology. Yeah, everybody could see that there's a home run, that, that a guy's hitting a home run. Don't give – don't give the don't, – don't call the home run while you're giving an apology. But for him, I mean, yeah, his career on Fox is done. He had done. And Fox Sports Ohio, I know it's owned by the Reds. 50% of it is owned by the Reds. And I know, you know, the Brenneman family is kind of like family of the Reds. His dad's on the game for years. Yes, I'm aware of Marty and Joe. They did the Reds games for years. I know his dad is on the games for years. He's on the game since 2006. So he's been going to Reds games forever. He's been a part of the Reds family forever. But the Reds got to make the right move. And Fox Sports Ohio has to make the right move. Yes, they suspended him. They need to fire him. They need to get rid of him. Because if you, if you don't fire him, you're condoning what he said. And you cannot be doing that, especially in this day and age. It's, it's despicable and disgraceful, the homophobic slur that he said. And they, they, need, they, need to get, they need to get rid of him. They need to fire him. Yes, he's he's had a I don't say a great career as a broadcaster because I'm not we're not talking about Joe Buck here. He's not had a great career. He's had a good career as a broadcaster, but the comment he made was uncalled for and 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 shameful. And and he, and he needs to go. He he needs, he, he needs to be fired. He needs to be taken off the air. And I I do not want to see this guy doing Reds games ever again. I want him gone. I want him off the air. I, I don't I don't want to see him doing any doing any of these games doing any Reds games ever again. Yeah, and I. You know, I'm surprised there hasn't been more backlash on him that he's still just suspended and not fired. Um, you know, and, you know, and I know, you know, obviously, as the, you know, you and, you and me both know how important it is to turn off their mics. And I'm not, you know, obviously, yeah. what he said, and, and what he said, too, why would you even be talking to your colleagues like that? Like, oh, I know. Work with, and, you know, like, do you really use your language out 
people you work with like that, like, come on. And I know his family, you know, and his dad's been around with the Reds for a while. 40 years he's calling Reds games. So, yeah. He's retired last year, too. Yeah. His dad. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, you know, so I know it's, they probably don't want it. Hey, look, they have to, what he said, you got to fight. There's going to be so much backlash against his organization. If, if they keep him, it, you know, if this guy even gets another shot on air with this organization, which would not be the right thing to do. It's just something that I just, you know, to be able, you know, to actually say that even when you think your mic is off, is just, it's, you know, it's just, it's just, in this day and age, it's just, you know, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not professional. It's, you know, it, it's just one of the dumbest things to do. And it's, it's got no place anywhere around, you know, in this country to be talking like that, you know. You, you can't have somebody like that talking, you know, and, and calling baseball games. And the apology, yeah, I agree with you. He probably should have just continued his apology. If if he was doing it on radio, that's one thing where you can't see it. But, yes, it's TV, you know. Everybody kind of knows what's going on. Um, he didn't really – he did not need to call the home run of, of – um, but, yeah, it's just there's no place for it in, you know, in broadcasting and even, you know, in just – talking to somebody you know you should not be using that word it's such a bad look oh absolutely and yeah you brought up you brought up the point about the mic yes broadcasting 101 if you're out in a live remote or doing play-by-play of a game you always should assume your mic is is on no even if, even if you're in commercial break you always assume your mic is on that is broadcasting 101 but still to be saying even if your mic isn't on to be saying those things and in, in, in 2020 is just messed up, and that's why this guy should be out of. I, I know he's had a good career, and that's a legend in Cincinnati as as one of the broadcasters. But this guy needs to be off the air uh, immediately. Yeah, he, he should, and I, you know, I know he will not be calling any NFL games this year. I, you know, I he'll I, never I, call any more NFL games. That's for no. sure. Oh yeah, a hundred percent agree with you there. I don't, you know. Right now, it looks like he may get another shot at calling Reds games because he's just suspended. I don't, you know, they haven't said how long or it's just indefinitely right now. But, yeah, you know, he should be fired from Fox Sports Ohio. And, I, yeah, he, you know, he would not get another chance with, with Fox Sports Ohio. Um, again, I think, you know, they they, they do – you got to fire this guy for, for what he said. It's just – this day and age is just really inappropriate to say something like that over the air. You know, you, you got to assume – you got to assume your mic's on. You have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you there. But we're going to uh, shift over to college football. And the NCAA came out with a rule last week where they are going to uh, have fall athletes are going to be eligible to to play, have to have an extra year of their season. So seniors this year, they get to be seniors next year. So, they, so all athletes get an extra year of eligibility. But this is going to complicate things because teams only have a certain amount of scholarships. And now it's going to get really, really full with some of these teams if these guys you know, stay an extra year. So this is a really complicated thing. And we know, Justin, you love college sports. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, I like the move the NCAA is doing this. I know they did it for the spring sports as well for like not for bad, not, you know, not for the winter. So basketball got people, hockey, you know, other winter sports is, you know, um, they do not, they did not get another year. It's the springs, the baseball, lacrosse, um, those types. They get another year eligibility as well, which is good. Great news. Um, and you know, for the fall, it's great too. And I, you know, there's been guys in the Pac-12, 
um, and the Big Ten kind of transferring to schools that are going to be able to play at, at the moment. Um, we'll see how long that lasts for, but um, it, it's definitely going to complicate things recruiting wise. And there's a, even in you know football wise, like UConn already has 13 recruits. A, a lot of high school seniors are committing now because I think they kind of knew that this was coming. There's that okay, I need to get my spot now, and also they're committing now because of the uncertainty uncertainty of if they're even going to play high school football in the fall as well. And, you know, that they don't get another shot and, you know, that a team doesn't stop talking to them and, and, you know, because they didn't play all year. So a lot of high school junior, you know, that are about to be seniors are committing now to get that spot. Um, but it's going to be very, very complicated. And I don't know, you know, and I, I, if the NCAA is going to kind of, get you know let schools have more scholarships i don't think that's going to happen but it would make things certainly easier again but the thing is schools are going to have less money so you really can't do that um so it's it's complicated for a lot of coaches and it's even basketball wise um you kind of filled out their class for 2021 in basketball they're usually never done by october um november is really and even that you know usually it's they, you know, usually the last kind of commits happen in April, you know, next April for, so uh, it's, it's rare. And a lot of, you know, and I think a lot of high schools, seniors that kind of are aware of that are, are trying are reserving their spots now, which it, it makes it a lot harder for coaches to try to manage that. And it's going to be interesting what coaches have to do, you know, um, or to see, I think there's going to be a lot of grad transfers as well that, you know, that are, you know, maybe some coaches are real with a couple of these guys and say, look, you know, you know, we kind of want to go younger here. Maybe, you know, you don't get a lot of playing time next year and maybe grad transfer. I could see a lot of grad transferring happen. Um, and I think, you know, it, and I, I don't think this in the rule does not apply for Ivy league. Ivy league still is four years, but, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really complicated for coaches to kind of figure out all this for, for pretty much for every sport, you know, not, not just for football um, and basketball, but hockey, baseball, actually, yeah, I get not hockey yet. Cause it's just a winter sport, but uh, for soccer, um, I'm trying to think what I'll be you know, for all the sports right now in the fall. And then in the past in the spring. Absolutely. And we'll see what ends up happening there. I mean, it's going to be really, really interesting to see, you know, it's going to really complicate things with, you know, guys playing, you know, some seniors, you know, they probably, that aren't, that might not be drafted. They probably want to play that extra year to see if they end up getting drafted. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. But even though we did talk about the coaches poll top 10 a couple of weeks ago, we'll go over the, uh, the top 10 in uh, the, the AP top 10. It's pretty much the same. Uh, you got Clemson, number one, Ohio state. And this is what I don't get. Why is the AP putting these teams that aren't playing in in the top in in the top ten? And just 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 don't put them in the top ten because they have Ohio State two, Bama three, Georgia four, uh, Oklahoma five, LSU, Penn State seven. Which you know I think that's kind of surprising. Even though the, even though even if they were playing now without Micah Parsons, I wouldn't have them as the number seven team in the country. You got Florida eight, uh, Oregon nine, and uh, Notre Dame ten. So what what's your thoughts on the on the on the I know we talked about the uh the the uh the, the coaches poll. What's your thoughts on the AP top top ten? Well, you know, it's all ten schools are still there, you know, that, that were in the coaches. So um just kind of minor changes like Penn State 
um, you know, seven. There wasn't, you know, I think all all ten teams are worthy to be be right there in the top ten. I don't really have any team that's in it, you know. Um, LSU at six is interesting. I would probably maybe put them. Uh, you know, I know coaches they were in five. I probably put them back towards eight or nine just because I don't know what to expect from this LSU. Yeah, team. you don't know what they had. Got a quarterback. That's the thing. Yeah, losing um, Burrow. Yeah, actually, I forget what the guys. I know we mentioned the coaches. The coaches full. I can't. I can't. Uh, Miles Brennan is going to be the new quarterback. We haven't seen much of him. Um, you know, I could. I. I think if Penn State was definitely higher, they. I mean, if they had Parsons, they were. They definitely. I think would probably. Definitely leap LSU. Maybe probably. I would probably even say I put them over even Oklahoma, just because with their uncertain uncertainties and losing a lot at the on defensive side of the ball and obviously quarterback wise. Um, but you know that, that you know. Again, I agree with the top three, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama right there. And I think the AP just did this to kind of just give you an overview of what they thought if all one, you know, if all, you know, if all 120 or 130 schools are playing. And I know when, you know, if they get through week one and all that, then they're going to take the teams that aren't playing out of the polls is what it sounds like they will be doing. So um, I, they kind of just wanted to do this to give you an overview of what they thought coming into the season. It's kind of all they really – one to do here yeah they, they, they need they need to get these these schools that aren't playing out of out of these rankings and i think it'd be smart after week one if they get them out of the rankings if they're not playing because you have about like uh eight, eight schools in the top 25 that aren't playing so get these schools that aren't playing get them out of the rankings put other schools in the ranking so they have a chance to move up and eventually you could get that cinderella team playing in the college football playoff but we are going to wrap up the show we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit of hockey wrapping up the show uh, we'll talk about the Bruins last night, who lost to the uh, Lightning in overtime, four to three, in in, the, in their uh, in their best of seven series. They won the first game, lost lost the uh, second one. And I got a question for you, Justin: Is Halak good enough to win for the and is Halak being in goal good enough for the Bruins to win the series? Uh, it's a tough question. Uh, right now, what I saw last night, I don't think so. That last, there the third goal he gave up in the third period. That thing went right through his legs, and he should have got that one. That he should have stopped it. Um, I know it was a breakaway, um, the Blake Coleman, but it, it was a goal he should have saved, and it, he should have stopped it. He looked shaky. He looked shaky. I thought he was all right Sunday. Last night, I thought he was really shaky. Um, again, I because I know the Bruins are rare. They really like Halak. They said he could probably start for half the organizations in the NHL. Um, they, they feel like they have a starter that's a backup. So the Bruins are really high on this guy and their backup at the moment, um, is a guy, a rookie who's never played an NHL game. So Halak is the guy moving forward. I don't think Tuka Brass is coming back. It sounded like, um, it was a family emergency with one of his younger daughters. It sounds like, um, according to Dale Arnold, who got a text message from him, um, there wasn't any more. You were, you, you were listening to WEI there? Or, yeah. or not, you're watching Nesson probably. Yeah, it was Nesson, and then it was also WEI. I saw it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It as well. So that's what, you know, so I don't, again, I don't think, you know, I think he's going to have to be seller. The Bruins are going to have to put up three or four goals a game to win. Wow, that's going to be very tough to do against a Lightning team, who I think is the best team in the Eastern. I don't know, I don't know the Western Conference, but in my opinion, the Lightning are the best team in the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, these are the two top teams in the Eastern Conference right here. Um, it, these are the two best. This, you know, definitely could have been the Eastern Conference Finals. If Tuka Rask played, if he was here, I'd give it to the Bruins. Um, again, you know, if Tampa, you know, um, thing is Tampa's got to do better against their the the Boston top line. They got away with the last night with. Brad Marchand scored two goals. He's now 20 and three. The Bruins are now 20 and three, including last night um, when he scores a goal in the playoffs. So when that top line gets going, you can see the results that they usually won games. Tampa got lucked out last night with that. They got it. You know, I think the line one had five points the other night for the Bruins. So combined. So they got to shut down that first line, but Tampa is missing uh, Steven Samkos doesn't, don't know if he's going to be available the series. They're still, you know, they really haven't mentioned it. So there's a chance he could be back. Maybe I wouldn't be counting on it though. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but we'll talk about the other series in the Eastern conference. And I'm, I don't get that. I don't get it all. The Islanders win four nothing. I can't even name a player on this Islanders team and they just keep winning in the playoffs. They just keep, they beat the Capitals in five. They beat the Flyers four nothing. I can't name a player on this team, but they just keep winning. Yeah, and, you know, when I was watching that cap series, I think it was, uh, you know, the kind of the finale there. I was listening to MSG, and just what they were saying is that and – I, and I can see it now after what they were saying. This is a team that they don't have a superstar. They just do – everybody knows their role, and they don't – try to make the big play. They don't try to force things. They don't try to make the big play. They're just, they, they're just a very scrappy team, and they want to win games 2-1, to 3-2. to two. You know, they want a low-scoring defensive battle, um, and it fits them. You know, it, it, it really does fit them. I think they had um, 22 block shots of the night. They, do, they just have – the thing is, too, it just feels like any guy can beat you any given night on the side of the team, and I think that's really the tough part. Anybody can can beat you with this, this Islander team. Um, Berlamo, the goalie, back-to-back shutouts, first time in Islanders postseason history that a goalie's had back-to-back shutouts. Um, and the, you know, it's just a very scrappy Islander team. They just they just they don't make mistakes. At times, they they do make a couple penalties, but for the most part. They all just they know what they have to do. They all know their roles and it and it's worked out. And this team right now, they're playing the best they're, you know, so far. I would not be surprised to see them come out of the east the way they're playing. I really wouldn't. They're playing some real they've been the best team, I feel like, in the bubble. So far. Yeah, you, yeah, you never know in hockey, and they've been playing really well. So it it, it it'll we'll see what ends up happening. New York needs a champion. I mean, this is a, not really a New York State team, but this is a Long Island team. But New York needs a championship. We'll see if the Islanders will deliver that to the to the city. So that's gonna wrap it up on Sports Talk with R and J. Uh for, for Justin Nafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week doing our NFL season preview. Have a great weekend, everybody.